0: And just like that, the national championship game is set in Houston. It's Washington, it's Michigan, it's an all Big Ten matchup, it's destiny about to be realized. This time next week, we'll be doing a live show more than likely from Houston, unpacking what went down the night before in NRG Stadium. Talking about the new national champion, uh, new national, yeah, new national champion, new national championship winner, whatever you want to call it. Welcome into the Hard Count. This is the People's College Football Show talking ball every single day of the year. After the confetti drops in Houston, we're still talking ball, all right? The season, it, it comes to an end, but college football never really stops. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. Happy New Year, our first show of the new year. If you're just finding us, welcome. Like I just said, it's ball, it's only ball, the way that you want to talk about ball. And when I say ball, I don't mean NFL, I don't mean NBA, I don't mean any other sport. It's just college football here all year round on this show, The Hard Count. We got a lot to jump into, man. It's been, I don't know, what, eight hours, give or take, ten hours maybe, since the uh, the clock struck triple zeros in New Orleans for that cinematic finish for Texas and Washington, the Sugar Bowl, and then a little bit more than that for the Rose Bowl finish, but... Tell you what, man, they, they gave you the whole seat. We only needed the edge when it came to those two games. Some time has passed. We like to think with time comes clarity. And so kind of going to give you our, uh, our not kind of, actually going to directly give you our thoughts from the morning after as the dust has settled on those two games and kind of what happened for Bama, what happened for Texas, and what we think now about Michigan and Washington, respectively, heading into this national championship game. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll give you our, our thoughts there. Uh, also, the winds have changed slowly but surely starting to gather some steam, Kirby Smart took the press conference after absolutely dragging Florida State in that Orange Bowl. It was pretty direct, he's like, listen, if, if, unless y'all want to keep doing this year after year in a New Year's Six Bowl game where you got a bunch of opt-outs, a bunch of guys not available, we gotta have something something shift here. And I think he's, one, 100% right. Two, I think change is imminent. What could that change look like? We'll talk about that and give you our thoughts there. We don't just want to, you know, whine about the problems here on this show. We want to give you solutions. I think Kirby Smart actually has a few solutions, too, so I'd be curious to hear his thoughts on this, but I think he is going to be a catalyst for change here by nature of what he said, so we appreciate Kirby Smart for that. The Transfer Portal Quarterback Market, we have long compared it to a game of musical chairs, and we told y'all, and y'all already knew this, too, because you're college football diehards, but Cam Ward, the whole time, Had that remote in his hand controlling the stereo that was playing the music during musical chairs. Whenever he picked a chair that he wanted to sit in, that was going to cause everybody else to understand the music had stopped and they needed to grab a chair. And if you were a school, you needed to grab a quarterback. So he has since declared for the NFL draft, hasn't signed with an agent. So that door is, I don't know if propped open is the word, that door is just slightly cracked and left open for him to Maybe return to college, although it doesn't look likely, according to our own uh, Pete Nakos here, who's crushed on the portal, so follow him on Twitter. What do we think about the transfer portal quarterback market as it stands to, to, to today, Junior? All right, you got DJ LA committed to Florida State. KJ Jefferson committed to UCF. Notice now there's one big name out there that is still yet to pick a chair. I'll tell you what, man, his price is going up. It's going up. We'll leave it at that. And now uh, also going to talk a little bit about Bull Syndrome. If you're familiar with that, we 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 prefaced it a little bit when it came to kind of safeguarding against the takes around Nico Imalayava and what could be happening with him in his bowl game against Iowa. Now, spoiler alert, he balled. He went absolutely crazy with how he did running the football. More than meets the eye there when it comes to Nico, when it comes to Jackson Arnold and his performance at Oklahoma. Going to kind of unpack both those scenarios and unpack maybe Bull Syndrome as a whole so so we can all kind of get on the same page here as we catapult into the 2024 glory that is the college football world. At the end of this thing now, going to give you our pick for the national championship game. The way that it worked out this year, typically you have like a 10-day range from when the semifinal games end to the national title game being played on a Monday. Now, it's played on a Monday, which doesn't make sense to any of us, but I digress. Another talking point for another show we have a week now we we have a little bit more than a few hours and seven days until that game kicks off so you may see some other shows punt on this and and give you a take or, or their pick maybe on friday of this week or thursday of this week not us we watched the games last night we have a i think somewhat decent gauge for how that thing's gonna go and if we don't, we're making our pick anyway because I think it's going to be razor, close, uh, razor thin, extremely close margins. And uh, regardless, we're just going to call our shot here as we have been known to do. Make sure you're subscribed right here. Make sure you're dialed in. We are going to be on the ground in Houston for this game. So we'll leave Friday, have a ton of coverage throughout the weekend. Myself and Andy Staples will both be in Houston. We'll both be at the National Championship game. I promise you want to be locked in here on the all YouTube channel for all the content. You also want to be following me on Instagram and on Twitter to stay with all the content. Some behind-the-scenes stuff as well that uh, we'll talk through all the way throughout this weekend and through our time in Houston once y'all dialed in at both those platforms so we can give you the coverage that you want. All right, let's jump right into it now. The Rose Bowl was an absolute movie. Alabama-Michigan going back and forth, came all the way down to the very final play in overtime. We'll talk about that final play here in just a second. But I want to kind of give a, a more uh, morning-after sort of feel to it. Because like we said at the top of this thing, man, with, with more time comes more clarity. We are now a few more hours wiser from, uh, from this game. I want to start with Alabama. We'll talk about Michigan here in a second, but I think the real friction point comes with Alabama. Because I picked Alabama to win this football game. Hand up. We thought they were going to be the better team on that day. Now, are they the better team overall? The score would suggest not. I think the the real issue, what went wrong for Bama, if you're asking yourself that question today, from a gameplay standpoint, I don't think they were anywhere near multiple enough to compete for a national title this season. And I was high on Bama throughout the course of this playoff, throughout the course of leading up to this playoff, really throughout the course of this season. We've been kind of standing by Bama and their talent level as a roster. But it became evident in this game with the way that they weren't able to push the ball downfield and the spots they found themselves in not protecting Jalen Milroe. It's not a recipe to stand on the mountaintop. Now, this team is still as talented as they need to be to win a national title this upcoming season. I fully believe that. I think that's always going to be the case at Alabama with how they recruit. But you can't average five yards in an attempt throw for less than 120 yards and get sacked six times and expect to beat one of the best teams in the country, the best team in the country, according to those rankings in Michigan. You just can't do it. And so the task now going forward for Alabama, whether it's adjusting the game plan, whether it's getting in the lab and trying to adjust what they do schematically, whether it's going to the portal and adding more weapons, I don't know what it is, but they were really good on the ground when they wanted to be, when they were more decisive in that second half. They got a good push up front but it was clear what they didn't have on third and seven. If you're an Alabama fan, I think you were feeling a lot of hoping and wishing and, and you know, trying to you know, visualize what could happen well on third and seven, but that it wasn't the case. It was a lot of hoping. Instead of how I think Washington fans felt last night in the Sugar Bowl of like, hey, third and seven, cool. Who are we throwing it to? We live in third. We, we love third and seven. Alabama last night, was not able to be successful in third and seven routinely and that was a big big part of it uh, now the last play as soon as it happened watching it live on my television I was like I cannot believe that was what they went with because at first glance it looks like just quarterback design run quarterback draw all the way holy smokes what are we doing here and if, if you're an Alabama fan you're like that's really the very best play we have drawn up what actually happened in that play was it was a run-pass option. Now, a lot of y'all are going to say, well, hey, no, Nick Saban after the game said it was a quarterback run. Just because he called it a quarterback run in the postgame doesn't mean Jalen Milrow didn't have a chance to throw that football. More on that in a second. Nick Saban's just not going to walk us through an RPO after having lost the Rose Bowl in the final play. I think that's pretty fair for him to you know, have that right. But what happened on that play was Jalen Milrow is reading the linebacker. That linebacker ran out with his running back. And so the option was, if he runs out with your running back, then you can follow your guard on a quarterback power and get north and south and try and get in the end zone. However, with the snap being low, Jalen Milrow wasn't able to see the full picture. In hindsight, he actually had both options there. The running back, even though the the linebacker matched him, out-leveraged him to the corner. So if Jalen Milrow had seen that, maybe gets it out to his running back, maybe you get in the end zone again this is all maybe this is all hypothetical but that was there now even with the snap being low the read from where i'm standing with the information that i have indicated he made the right decision to try and get north and south the reason why it didn't work was the defensive lineman from michigan did a great job getting across the tight end's face and blowing up that power play before it could happen so the low step, obviously, is going to get what you know the majority of the talking points. A lot of folks are going to say, well, hey, Tommy Reese, is that really the best call? I understand all that. Hindsight's 2020. Nick Saban said as much in his post-game press conference. If it had worked, it's a great call. It didn't work. So people are going to say it's a bad call. We didn't block it right. Nick Saban's telling you that. Now, going back to what I just said about people thinking this was a design quarterback run all the way, I disagree. That's first. Second, I would say go back and watch those wide receivers – and watch how they approach those defensive backs they're trying to get outside leverage they're trying to capture that outside shoulder to get that edge for their running back should they throw the ball out there if it was a design quarterback run you would see them insert inside of them and try and wall them off from making a play on Jalen Moto somehow some way so the way that they were blocking every single thing about that play gives us an indication it was a run pass option also just from a common sense standpoint If you're Tommy Reese and you're not giving Jalen Lomero a chance to also throw the football if he doesn't like the look running the football, I think it's just sort of as a common sense thing that it was a good call by him to give him a little run pass option. Didn't work, so it's a bad call, but all that's to say, that was what happened on that final play. Now for Michigan, thoughts I have for them after this one, man, like this, this was a leadership kind of win on a number of levels for them. And what I mean by that is Michigan made multiple mistakes physically throughout this game. You call them what you want to call them. You want to call them jitters. You want to call them lack of, you know, preparation mistake. Like, whatever you want to put to it, that's fine. But there's, a, like, the bottom line is here special teams' miscues were very much so present yesterday. I mean, missed a field goal, missed a PAT. You had two muff punts, one that really hurt you, one that, quite frankly, could have hurt you a lot more than it did being recovered, you know, on the one-yard line. But even with that being the case, they still found a way to overcome their miscues. And the reason why they were able to do that was twofold. Again, going back to leadership. They had a game plan there that, in my mind, was as good as it could have been for this game. You understood now, Jalen Moro, he is a special, special player. His athleticism made him, I think, the best player on the field whenever he was out there. He gave you the most anxiety when he was back there. However, you understood, you couldn't just bring a bunch of pressure and bring someone from the third level because if he saw that, he'd diagnose it and get the ball out. Then you got a new set of problems with tackling Isaiah Bond in the open field. So what Michigan did really effectively was have stunts and twists from their defensive line to kind of manufacture pressure. Meaning they didn't need to bring that safety. They didn't need to bring that boundary corner to try and surprise Jayla Milro. It was confusing that offensive line and having them have issues passing off, you know, Graham or whoever you want to talk about there. And they got pressure that way. I understand that they brought a linebacker a few times or, or they would bring that in addition to the stunts. But overall, they weren't like trading resources on the back end to try and get home. And they got home again to the tune of six sacks. Anytime you get six sacks, man, you got to feel pretty good about your chances to win the football game. Also, the coverage beating pass game they had. Alabama, they've been a man coverage football team the entirety of the season. That is who they are. Cut them open. They're a man coverage football team. That's what comes out of them. Michigan understood they would have to have some answers in the pass game. Michigan the to run the football. They want to be a sledgehammer team, but they would have to have something to attack Alabama when they played man coverage on, oh, I don't know, third and six, third and seven, whatever it ends up being. What they did was run a lot of crossing patterns, and Alabama in that first half did not have answers to that, whether it was Colston Loveland, whether it was Roman Wilson. Their ability to cross-face and have guys go next to each other and sort of create that natural – pick if you will that was huge for them early on and allowed them to hang around early in this game and ultimately win the football game so that game plan itself goes back to leadership goes back to preparation and having them be as ready to roll as possible we said it going into this one you would not see Michigan look like they didn't belong in this game kind of felt that way against TCU where they sort of got outside of themselves not in this game phenomenal game plan you go to leadership that's the first part the second part of this the poise of this team That goes back to leadership too. Jim Harbaugh, absolutely. But I think a lot of these guys that came back to win a game like this, because listen, they remember that confetti dropping on them last year for the wrong reasons after TCU beat them and all the punchline jokes around what they didn't do in that spot. Hey, that's great you beat Ohio State, but hey, that's great you won the Big Ten, but TCU took you down and they lost 65-7 to in the national title game. So what does that say about Michigan? And I felt like... Maybe there was some anxiety. Maybe it was a game plan thing. Whatever you want to say, it wasn't present in this game. We asked, you know, the thought, I guess, going into this game was, hey, why is this Michigan team any different than the last couple? Because I understand different guys from the year they lost to Georgia, but it's a lot of the same cats that were back from the year before they lost to TCU. Why should we expect them to have any different result that they didn't have last year? And the answer can be summed up in what they did that final drive To force overtime. There was zero flinch. I mean, absolutely none. They knew what the deal was. They knew what the assignment was. J.J. McCarthy making things happen with his legs. Got the run game going. Hitting Roman Wilson for a big pass to set up his eventual touchdown pass to Roman Wilson. Like, they were dialed in. There there was no anxiety. There was no, I don't know how we feel about this. Why? Because they had been in moments like that before. They had been in Big Ten title games before. They had been in high pressure situations against Ohio State they had been in spots like that in the college football playoff and this time they made it happen they finished through the line they had trained for that and they knew what that felt like and when it came time to win steady hand they were good to go they made it happen so when you zoom out a little bit on Michigan this is my last kind of morning afterthought when it comes to Wolverines if you're still stuck on the sign stealing stuff with Connor Stallions and company like I don't know what to tell you at this point. I don't because like at this this stage in the game, they have overcome every hurdle with a greater degree of difficulty. Like if Jim Harbaugh had stayed on the sideline for the course of this season, maybe this conversation is still going on a little bit. But at this point, like beat Penn State without Jim Harbaugh, beat Ohio State without Jim Harbaugh, beat a top four Alabama team. There's no sign of stealing going on right now. If there was previously, it is what it is. I'm sure we'll revisit that with NCAA at a later date. But when it comes to just this season, there should not be any asterisk next to what they've done. And if you have an asterisk, when you look down at the legend for what the asterisk is for, it should be Jim Harbaugh didn't coach in six games. That's what the asterisk should say. So I think for Michigan, man, like what more do you need to see to be convinced this just a really good football team? All the thought that this was why they were good the last couple of years, Is it good to cheat? No. Did Michigan probably cheat? I happen to think so. But the thought around this always was they have a lot of NFL players. And it's probably more so about that than whatever signs they did or didn't have. So that's just kind of the last thing I want to say here. I think that volume should be cranked down quite a bit. I understand we'll get to the NCAA investigation stuff when we get to it, but just so we're all aligned here, if if you're still talking about sign stealing with Michigan, In the the context of this season, I I don't know what kind of conversation we want to have about that. So, it is what it is. Now, I mentioned earlier in this show, really important to be following on the social channels. One, because we're going to have a lot of fun access for you through Houston on the social stories. Uh, We'll be tweeting out videos. We'll have short-form content. Uh, We actually put out a video yesterday on my Instagram channel, on my Instagram page, rather, at JodyPakell. Uh, walking through that final play. So, if you want a visual for that final play for Alabama versus Michigan in overtime and how that RPO was supposed to work, go check that out. That was a great response from y'all, so maybe we'll do some more of that. Uh, but another reason to follow me on the social channel, specifically Twitter or X, we're calling it, is because Prize Picks is a great partner for us, and we give out our plays for Prize Picks on my Twitter page. And we gave out a winner yesterday. It was, I think, a few hours before kick. Because those squares are constantly changing right up until kick. So, one, redeem code JD, 100% deposit match, up to 100 bucks. We want you all a part of this. If you lose, say a little. When you win, say nothing. So, we would say nothing if we weren't obligated contractually to say something with price picks. And we want to let y'all know about price picks. So, there's that. But I'm just saying, uh, we got to kind of walk through what happened yesterday and uh, give you a good gauge for ultimately what happened on the prize pick side of things. So we had a flex play dialed up, little five square special to uh, unpack what a flex play is. Essentially, it just means you don't have to get every single square right to get something back on your investment. If you get four out of five right, it's two extra entry. If you got three out of five right, you get a little less than half your entry. It's a good deal. So what we had dialed up here, if you followed on Twitter, we had Jayla Milro 34 and a half rush yards, wanted the more, got the more. Even with six sacks. So hat tip to Jalen Miller for getting that for us. JJ McCarthy, 15 and a half rush yards. We thought his legs would be a factor in this game. They indeed were. He picked it up for us on the very last drive. He had 25 rush yards. Shout out JJ McCarthy, the more hit there. Now Blake Corham, we had him for less than four and a half receiving yards. Blake, my bad dog. I didn't know they were going to throw you the ball like that. But he made some big catches. One for a touchdown. So we were very, very off on that. He had 35 receiving yards. The less did not, in fact, hit. But regardless, we still got something back here because CJ Baxter, we had him for 16.5 receiving yards with a more 31 yards for CJ Baxter. The more, in fact, did hit. And then Roma Dunze made us sweat a little bit here at the very end, but he had a, a total there of a 103.5 receiving yards for his square. He hit the more for 125. We, in fact, had the more. So four out of five squares hit. It was a good time. It was a good time, and uh, we appreciate Prize Picks for sticking with us all season long, and for a lot of y'all that have that have supported the show by signing up with Prize Picks. That's huge. That is huge, and that is a testament to y'all for moving this whole thing forward and, and being a part of that with Prize Picks. So again, redeem code JD, no periods, just J and D, those two letters for a hundred percent deposit match up to one hundred bucks when you sign up. We will have a play for you for the national championship game. So follow me on Twitter. We will have uh, that play tweeted out for you. Also, we'll have it here on, uh, on this, uh, this very show for you, too. So you can catch that as well. All right, now let's move on to our, our Sugar Bowl thoughts the morning after. Let's start with Texas. As we did with Alabama, I think the friction point lies with Texas. I don't think anything different about Texas that I did going into this game. I really don't. And that's not to say that they should have won yesterday because obviously they did not play well enough to win, but that's kind of the thing. Like, they had the tools to win in my mind. And this is not me trying to defend my pick of Texas. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're Texas, you got to feel real good about where you stand going forward. Quinn Ewers, as of right now, likely coming back. You had two NFL wide receivers last night. That'll be a proof of concept that I think continues to attract more talent to your team, whether it's on the recruiting trail or via the portal. But at the end of the day, man, whether you had the tools to win or not, the style of game that you played, the lack of execution, is what kept you from winning this game. Because we knew what it was if you're Texas, right? We, we knew what it's about here. Like, Roman Dunze, he's a special cat. Michael Penix Jr., there's one of him, and he is, in fact, him. He proved it again last night. They're going to get theirs. You can't give Aaron Judge extra pitches when he's at the plate. And they did exactly that. Two turnovers. They had 10 penalties for 66 yards. You can't help Washington if you're Texas. So that's frustrating. That hurts today. You knew the style of game it would be. But even with that being said, as long as you kind of just let it hurt for a little bit, because I, don't, I, don't, I know you don't want to turn the page too quickly if you're a Texas fan, and I'm not here telling you to do that. But once you do sort of gather yourself, brush the dust off, and look to the future, the future is extremely, bright, ex- extremely, extremely bright for Texas. They're set up for success in the SEC and this 12-team playoff model. And why do I think that? I think it's two things: culture and roster. Starting with roster, your quarterback, like I just said, likely coming back in Quinn Ewers. Behind him, you got Arch Manning, and there should be all the juice in the world around Arch Manning. And people are saying, like, "Hey, Arch Manning, he's just a name. If he, didn't, if he, his last name was Johnson, he would not be a five-star cat." Say what you want about his last name. Nick Saban and Kirby Smart both wanted him on their football team. Those are two dudes that would not waste their time recruiting a quarterback that they didn't think was any good. And newsflash, they recruit pretty good talent. So. I think Arch Manning is deserving of all the hype that he's getting. Uh, Other part of this, as of right now, Texas has a top three class in the 2024 recruiting rankings. If they finish with a top three class, that would be back-to-back now top three classes. So from sitting right here with the recruiting success they have, with the proof of concept to be a portal destination if you're Texas, you would imagine the NIL decks, the NIL Ducks in a row for Texas. They should be good on the roster side of things here for a minute. They should be in good shape. That's the first part. The more important part here is I think the culture at Texas has arrived. And we have thought that for a minute. But if there was going to be a spot for Texas last night to pack it in, down 13, Washington is just ripping and roaring offensively. They could have packed it in at 13 down. Hey, good season. We won the Big 12, pat on the back, t-shirts and, and, and hats for everybody. Good season, boys. Came up just short. They battled, man. They battled to make it a one-score game, had a few shots from like the 12-yard line to try and win the game. Cards fell how they did. I, I don't think there's anything to hang your head about if you're Texas. The culture itself to scratch and claw and fight, that is once again an example of new Texas that Steve Sarkeesian has installed if they hadn't arrived we would have seen it last night so texas i don't feel any different about them than i did going into that game unfortunate that they executed the way they did if you're a texas fan but it is what it is survive in advance move on to the sec next year let's talk about washington here man they remind me of steph curry and what i mean by that is when steph curry has that three ball working when that basket is looking wide to him and he can pull up from anywhere within half court, it doesn't matter if you're the bigger team. doesn't matter if you're the better scorer in the paint. It doesn't matter if you've got this great you know perimeter defense. doesn't matter because when he lets that thing go from beyond the arc and he's feeling it, like that's just kind of the way it's going to go that day. Better buckle up, better pack a lunchbox, better bring your hard hat because you're in for a long day. That is Washington when they have the deep ball working. The style of game that we thought it could be going into last night with the advantages for Texas, they were still advantages. Texas still ran for right around 200 yards, a little bit less than that. Texas had the definitive advantage on the line of scrimmage. They ran for six yards of carry. If you had told me on New Year's Eve Texas running for six yards of carry, I'd say, okay, hey, pack pack your suitcase, boys, in Austin. like Y'all going to Houston. That wasn't the case. It wasn't the case because Michael Pettix Jr., Had three ball working. Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk both went over 120 yards. Michael Pennington for over four bills. Like, it's just, it's the eraser. It's the eraser kind of plays that Washington has that is the reason why they are scary for everybody else. Like, the path for them in in theory, I suppose, is narrow, but it's been narrow multiple times now against Oregon, against Texas last night. And guess what? As long as you walk on that path, it doesn't matter how wide it is. You get from A to B, you're good. And they got from A to B last night, and the pass game downfield is just—I mean, it, it should be—it should be concerning for Michigan as they head into that national title game, which we'll give you our pick here in just a little bit later in the show. Now, I was really encouraged and impressed by Washington's ability to downshift. Now, we are live right now, as of—I guess what—Tuesday morning. Days are getting all—days are getting all mixed up. Um, what I'm trying to say here is we don't know what Dylan Johnson's status will be going forward. You hope he's ready to roll. But the time of possession last night from Washington, 36 minutes and some change to just about 23 minutes and some change from Texas, they controlled the game. We said it during our uh, our preview for this one. The team that was able to slow the game down the best, we thought had a good chance to win. It ended up being Washington. The team that's able to get that key turnover has the best chance to win. Ended up being Washington on both sides of things. So their ability to kind of shape shift, I think makes them again another another factor that just should be uh should be concerning for Michigan when they play them in that national title game. The stage is not going to overwhelm Washington when they get to Houston. Because yes, they're this team from the Pac-12, and yes, we're not as accustomed to seeing that golden helmet and that purple logo in a spot like that. But guess what? It doesn't matter, and it definitely doesn't matter to Washington. Like, it doesn't matter in the context of anything that's going to happen in the future because logos don't win championships. Players do. And the players at Washington have the most steady heart rate, the most steady hand, I think, in the entire country. You want to know why? They are 8-0 in one-score games. I made this comp in our preview, or our final thoughts video, rather. I'll make it again right now. Alex Honnold, for those of y'all that know the free solo documentary, dude climbs mountains with no ropes, no cables, no safety net just goes out there and scales these thousands of foot kind of mountain faces. His brain, they did a study on it, does not process pressure correctly. Like the part of his brain that's supposed to produce fear doesn't actually work the way a normal human being's brain works. Y'all, that's Washington. They get in these one-score games. I think they're comfortable. Just like Alex Honnold, he's up on those mountaintops, however many thousand feet up in the air, his heart rate's steady. That's Washington. They're going to get to Houston and forget the experience they do or don't have, you know, in in games like that. Forget the experience they don't have in a national title setting. They don't care. They don't care. And they've been in these kind of games all year long. And I said this last night, I'll say it again. I wonder if the logo of Washington is keeping us and keeping Vegas from adequately assessing them. And what I mean by that is, if you put a blue blood logo on Washington's helmet, are they underdogs to Texas? Take it a step further. If you put a blue blood logo on Washington's helmet, are they underdogs to Michigan in this game? It opened at a four and a half point favorite for the Wolverines. I don't know. Because we've seen them win multiple kinds of games. They've got an NFL wide receiver room, they've got an NFL quarterback. We've seen them downshift now and be able to control the tempo of a game. They won the line of scrimmage last night in terms of 36 to 23 in terms of time of possession. They Didn't run for more yards, but you hear what I'm saying. They got what they needed to get on the ground. I just think we, uh, we need to give a little bit of thought to that when it comes to assessing Washington, when it comes to assessing them in this national title spot because they just keep on proving they do not care about anyone's opinion. They don't care about the line. They don't care about being counted out. They just go out there, play their game play the narrow path that they tend to play when it comes to throwing the ball deep, and they handle business. So when it comes to the Sugar Bowl, those are kind of our final thoughts I wanted to get out there for all of us. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a movie. We'll give you our pick here in a matter of, I would say probably give or take 20 or so minutes, 20 or so minutes and some change. We'll have our national title prediction for you between Washington and Michigan, but uh, absolute cinematic finish in the Sugar Bowl as well as the Rose Bowl. So after sleeping on it, that's kind of the the conclusions we came to between those games. Hey, everyone dialed in right now to the live show. One, we appreciate you. Really quickly, if you could like the video, that would put us well over 100 likes. We'd appreciate you tremendously. Little thumbs up icon under the picture. Thank you for that. Second part of that, at last check, we had right around 70% of our audience. So people already watching that are not yet subscribed to this channel. So it doesn't cost you anything. We're not going to blow you up on the email inbox or anything like that. If you can just double check you're subscribed you're already watching helps us do more content you want to see so just help us get a better roadmap for the kind of content you want thank you in advance for that so kirby smart after absolutely dragging florida state in the orange bowl takes the mic and pretty much puts all of the college football world on notice and says hey listen this needs to be fixed like I'm happy, won the Orange Bowl. I have to imagine what he's feeling. I have to imagine he's happy his team sent them, you know, they're upperclassmen and, and those guys going to the NFL draft out the right way. But he he pretty much told everybody we got to change something. Something has to change with these bowl opt-outs and with this this calendar of guys having to transfer before the bowl because of National Signing Day and roster trying to get their numbers settled. Like we got to fix this. So what he said, I think is one, powerful. Two, I think change is coming. Like, there's a, there's this thought now that expanded playoff format is going to keep guys in, you know, from playing in bowl or keep guys playing in bowl games. Maybe so. But if it's about NFL draft value and me playing in a you know, another two or three football games may or may not impact my, my, my financial standing if I'm not getting paid to play in those games, it's just going to take one opt-out. It's going to take one guy to say, you know what? I'm excited for my team. We won our conference. We're in the playoff. But I think I'm going to go ahead and declare for the NFL draft and sit out this playoff. It just takes one guy to do it. And we'll see the snowball effect of a lot of guys doing it. So to reset this for us a little bit here, it's no no secret. Florida State had double-digit guys not playing that football game against Georgia. Georgia had a lot of their guys playing that football game. I mean, pretty much... Brock Bowers was, I think, the only like huge guy that that didn't play in that game. Um, Overall, I mean, the the point stands here. Georgia pretty much had a full roster. Florida State, they did not. And Florida State played like a team without their full roster. No Keon Coleman, no Johnny Wilson, no Trey Benson. Obviously didn't have Jordan Travis due to injury, but like the point stands here that there has to be a change for us to get a different product when it comes to these bowl games. And so I want to kind of put this out there I think change is coming. I mean, I wholeheartedly do for a couple of reasons. One, people of power are starting to speak up on this. The bull thing is one with with Kirby Smart. Lane Kiffin is is out here dominating the portal. I mean, full on like RKO got the game in a headlock with the portal. He's the portal king next to Mike Norvell. And he's saying, this doesn't make sense with the calendar. What are we doing here? And that was also a part of what contributed to Florida State. Having guys have to transfer out because they got to find a home before National Signing Day. It doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, people of power, people with real influence speaking out, saying, hey, we need change. And when people that have some weight with what they say say something, typically that's when things start to happen. I can say whatever I want in this microphone. But until someone like Kirby Smart speaks into a microphone with a lot of people listening, then we start to see some ripple effects across college football. That's the first part. The second part is this is going to grow as a problem. Like, To to be real here, what is the Orange Bowl at the end of the day? For the people in charge, it's a TV product. It's a pocket stuffer. You think people enjoy watching a 63-3 Orange Bowl? You think that's good TV? You think that helps the powers that be line their pockets even more? So I don't think so. And that's only going to continue to snowball and deteriorate. If we don't do something here, that product is going to continue to cheapen itself. Now, for us college football fans, it don't matter play the parking lot bowl with 11 on 11, put it on TV and we'll watch. But I'm just saying, there's more than just us watching these bowl games that's going to actually line the pockets of these powers that be and these people calling the shots. So what I'm trying to say here is, as the TV product suffers by nature of the calendar and guys not playing in some of these bowl games, the problem is going to not just be a problem for Florida State, it's going to become more and more people's problems. And I use Florida State as the example here because that's who Kirby Smart and Georgia played against. But I mean, it's bigger than Florida State. This, this is a thing that's going to continue to show itself every single bowl season with guys getting, you know, opting out or transferring and just teams not looking at all like they were when they qualified for that bowl game. So like I said at the top of this thing, we like to be solution-oriented on this show. I appreciate the folks that rant and, and have an issue with things and object to things. And we do that on this show too. But we try and bring a problem as well as a solution. And to me, the solution here is clear as day. The topic we're discussing here is money. <laughs> like, guys are opting out outside of the calendar situation. The guys are opting out for the NFL because of financial value that they feel like they need to protect that could be in jeopardy by playing in certain bowl games. So, if money is the problem, money is also the solution from where I'm standing here. If that's what this is about, there's not another incentive that we're going to bring into the room that's going to somehow get these kids to play in the bowl game. Like when you have a year-end meeting for your job, and it may or may not be mandatory, and it doesn't impact your standing with the company, what gets you in that room for that year-end meeting? A pizza party or a cash incentive, a little you know, little bonus, however small it may or may not be. Right? Pizza party is not getting you in the room. So like bull gifts, whatever you want to say here for these cats, it's not getting you in the room. And let's not pretend like there's not enough money to go around because we're seeing TV deals now for these conferences with a B in front of them. That means billion, like we're, we're seeing numbers like that. There's enough money to go around. And with these guys playing in the game, there will be more money to go around. Okay, so I think the obvious situation here and the obvious solution that gets thrown out, it feels like year after year, revenue sharing. And I make it sound more simple than it probably really is. I understand that, but at the end of the day, like if there's a large sum of money and there's individuals that are helping build that large sum of money to be even greater, let's spread the wealth a little bit. Let's make this TV product worth watching for the folks that maybe wouldn't watch in the parking lot bowl for 11 on 11, it helps everybody. You get more guys playing, you get a better TV product. Money gets passed around like it's it's a good deal. We can afford to do that if we're college football, billions again, billions. You don't think we can pay a few guys to play in the bowl game? I think we can. Now there's also NIL in place. That's definitely another avenue we could explore. Maybe collectives get involved. Maybe other brands get involved to keep these kids playing. Or maybe there's like I, I heard Game Day discussing the other day about you know having a an NIL structure in place where it only is executed you know to the nth degree if they play in the bowl game that's a whole other rabbit hole to jump down i want to understand i want to make sure we say again this is probably more intricate than we're making it sound but there's enough money in the room for us to make this happen i want to make sure we say this too i don't think there's a way to put the juni back in the bottle here like we are probably never going to get to a place where we can account for 100 of opt-outs Like $41 million, give or take, is what a first-round NFL draft pick on the highest end can make. $41 million, $40 million, whatever you want to put to it. Like Top three pick money is top three pick money. And as much TV revenue as there is to go around, I don't see a world where that gets allocated to a single player to play in the bowl game. So it is what it is something needs to change if money's the problem money is also the solution it would fill everybody's pockets high tide raises all boats that's where we're sitting right now but Kirby Smart is 100% on the money something has to change and not just for Florida State's sake not just for teams like Florida State's sake but I mean like for college football as a whole for the people that don't even care about the college football game but people that care about you know stuff in their pockets they need to have something change too so I think that's the way we're headed we'll see what happens but that's our thought there revenue sharing not as you know we're not the first ones to offer it up but i think it is something that we are a lot closer to than uh maybe some people might want to imagine now speaking of bull games i want us to take a second here to talk about something that is sweeping the country and that is the uh the very real uh condition that is bull syndrome and I want to hone in on two specific stud, true freshman quarterbacks that I think are going to have great careers at their respective schools. Nico Iamaliava, the number one player for us here at All in Three, and will be the starting quarterback of Tennessee next year, who played really well against Iowa yesterday. And Jackson Arnold, who maybe didn't play as well against Arizona in their game, but still I think has a really bright future. Make sure you're subscribed. Talking Ball every single day. Want y'all a part of this. Make sure you're dialed in. Thank you in advance for that. What I want us to make sure we say here is that this is one data point for both these cats. And the the thing with bull syndrome is we have one data point and then we have, what, however many months before we get to see them play again. We get a spring game in between there, but until we see them play in real action, there's a long time. So what happens is we take this one data point and it's all that we get to look at and we decide that we think we're pretty smart and we want to unpack this and pick it apart and say, okay, this is who this cat is. This is who he's going to be in the future. Like you had a lot of folks outside of Oklahoma circles, I think, say, hey, Jackson Arnold's not the answer in Oklahoma. Hey, Jackson Arnold, I don't know if he's going to be the guy for you. He probably shouldn't, uh, you know, should have tried to make a way for Dylan Gabriel to stay. That was what some people were saying across the college football landscape. Y'all, that's irresponsible. Why? Because it was Jackson Arnold's very first game. Very first time playing college football. We said it in our reaction video to that game and to his performance. There were some things there that I think confirmed that he's the guy for you. One of which being the deep shot that was a 60 yard bomb to Thompson. You had the rolling left, which is not easy for a right handed quarterback to do, and finding your, your, your quarterback, Nick, or your receiver, rather, Nick Anderson, back pylon. That's a tough off balance throw to make. It takes a strong arm to make that throw. You saw the tools there to get you excited. But at the same time, you saw a lot of turnovers. To me, those were learning experiences. Those are things that are going to get coached up, that we can work with. There was no mistakes there for Jackson Arnold that make me think, okay, he's not the guy. And even if there were, I would say, well, let's see that in a larger sample size before we define who he's going to be. Now, same thing with Nico yesterday. He played great. Numbers weren't gaudy. Throwing the football was 12 for 19. Had a few drops uh threw a touchdown 151 yards through the air zero interceptions still though you saw the freshman mistakes took a sack during two-minute drill can't do that we'll learn from that it's a bowl game had three rushing touchdowns though and not like philly you know tush push kind of touchdowns not not a little brotherly shove kind of touchdowns where it's a quarterback sneak for one yard it was like quarterback design run get nico on the edge let him be special, the number one player according to Charles Power, and Charles Power don't miss y'all. I'm just gonna make sure we are on the same page there. Uh you saw the special against a defense that allowed 13 points a game in 2023. So a good defense now, a great filter to run it through. It wasn't like he was out there playing against Yale. But even with that being said, you had the great from Nico, you had the not so great from Jackson Arnold. We still don't know who these cats are gonna be. And so I would just say, let's be weary of the good people that mean well, I promise you, they mean well, they love college football just like us, but they're going to try and build an entire forecast for Oklahoma and Tennessee based on the bowl games of Nico Iamaliava, I promise you we're dialed in, but we're going to make sure we keep calibrating that pronunciation, Nico Iamaliava and Jackson Arnold. We don't know what they're going to be yet. We've seen the talent, we've seen the flash in the bowl game from both these individuals. But as far as what they're going to be as college quarterbacks, their story still has many, many pages. They just wrote the first one. They just wrote the first couple of pages in their bowl games. So it's fun to see. It's exciting to see. You get a peek at the future of both those teams. But let's be slow to define either side of that thing. So bowl syndrome, as uh, as fun as it can be to drink the Kool-Aid, let's sort of... Uh, Say, no, we're good for right now. We'll kind of see how this thing goes. And then when the time comes for us to drink the Kool-Aid and for us to get diagnosed with regular season syndrome, then we can go from there. But overall, I wanted to make sure we kind of got aligned there on Bull syndrome because I, I think it's important. I think it's very prevalent this time of year, so I wanted to make sure we are all aligned on that. All right, now speaking of quarterbacks, uh, we'll go from the high school level to the transfer portal level. And for those of y'all that were kind of keeping an eye on this thing, under the cover of uh, the New Year Six Bulls and the College Football Playoff, you had Cam Ward put out a little video. There was no big graphic; that there was no, you know, long hype video. It was <laughs> Cam Ward just sitting in front of, I think it was his iPhone, probably, saying, "I'm declaring for the NFL Draft." Short and sweet, less than 20 seconds to let the people know it is what it is. Yo, know, that was massive. Because <laughs> we we've said here for a long time that is the domino to fall that will dictate where a lot of these cats end up going now i was a little bit surprised to see cam Ward declare for the nfl draft just for for me i'm like okay if he's gonna be let's say optimistically a a second round pick and let's estimate that his you know earning potential is somewhere in the range of like six or so million right off the bat i don't know what his nil value would be at different schools but i have to believe He's at least in the neighborhood of that. I have to feel like, I mean, according to Matt Rule, a good quarterback is going for at least a million dollars. So, Cam Ward being the guy setting the market, probably worth more than that. Um, but also the chance to play in college and to improve his draft stock. And this is a stacked quarterback class. Maybe he's a little bit higher on the draft board next year. Maybe he's, you know, maybe, uh, you know, uh, providing a little bit more demand for these NFL teams. So, had a chance to maybe, I think, make some more money on tape. Now, worth noting here, On Three has independently reported that he did not sign with a permanent nfl agent so that door is kind of cracked up for him to return back to college but it was interesting because right as cam ward declared for the nfl within hours you saw dju commit to florida state which i imagine florida state was holding out for cam ward and as soon as cam ward declared for the nfl i'm led to believe by nature of this series of events dju had a spot at florida state took it let's roll He's got his chair. Again, the music has stopped by Cam Ward making his decision. So if you're a school, you got to get someone in your chair as a quarterback. And if you're a quarterback, you got to find a chair because things are going to start filling up quick. K.J. Jefferson sees the writing on the wall, some contact with Miami. Miami was very heavily in the Cam Ward sweepstakes. And K.J. Jefferson just says, you know what, I'm going to make my decision here. I want to go to UCF. I'm going to UCF. He finds his chair. So now you're seeing the market for the quarterbacks in the transfer portal start to change a little bit. Like Malachi Nelson, his stock went up. And Miami, they need someone in that chair as a transfer portal quarterback. By nature of what we saw in that bowl game, they need to go to the portal for a quarterback. Looks like they missed on Cam Ward for the time being. Talking to Malachi Nelson right now. His stock going up. Malachi Nelson went from talking to schools like Tulane and Houston to being in the mix at Miami. Now, it is my belief that he was not going to play relatively soon at, at usc miller moss went nuts in the bowl game and i think he would probably had to have weight behind him to have a chance to do that also usc was in the portal quarterback market but the real winner of all this and jesse Simon has got a really good article i mean about the portal in general but i know he's got a lot of uh, thoughts on will howard as a whole will howard is the real winner of the transfer portal quarterback musical chairs and the real benefactor of what's been going on with cam ward and his decision to go to the nfl because miami they need a quarterback and will howard i believe he visited miami i don't know if there's any smoke still there but like mario Cristobal going into year three it is a show me year it is a we need to win now kind of year they don't have a guy so whatever you know his nil value was previously in relation to a school like miami i promise you it just skyrocketed because he is now the guy he is now the quarterback in the market Ohio State also in contact with Cam Ward. Maybe Cam Ward was a thought for them originally, but uh, they're also in contact with Will Howard. They've kind of been in the mix. Again, there's no other safety net if you miss on Will Howard now. There is Will Howard then a pretty good drop and whoever else is available right now. So from what I saw in that bowl game from Ohio State, from Devin Brown and very, very limited action, mind you, and Lincoln holds. like at the very least, I think you need to elevate someone in that room. Need to have someone elevate that room, rather. And we'll have more thoughts on Ohio State on tomorrow's live show. But this is the least risky option in the portal quarterback market. Tons of experience, proven winner, got a Big 12 title to his name. Like, his resume speaks for itself. And if you want a guy to allow your team to compete at the Tier 1 level, he's the only option out there for my money. So keep an eye on who else pushes here for Will Howard as he, again, is the guy to set the market. Sounded like Auburn in the final 24 hours, according to Pete Nakos, who again, follow Petey Portal, man. I'm telling you, you're going to stay dialed in for all things transfer portal. Follow him on Twitter. Sounds like they got in the mix for Cam Ward before he declared up the NFL draft. I wonder who else makes a push here for Will Howard. Haven't heard much about Miami or Auburn for him, but we'll see if they get in the mix. Now, this is sort of a uh, a sleeper storyline, if you will. Keep a very, very close eye on Michigan. Because I have, I have heard rumblings... I don't know if there's any reports out there. I have heard rumblings that if J.J. McCarthy decides to declare for the NFL draft, they could be in the market for a transfer portal quarterback. And again, Will Howard is the guy if you're looking for a transfer portal quarterback. So we'll see what happens there. But Will Howard now has been handed the remote to the stereo of musical chairs. And I think he, quite frankly, doesn't have to play the music at all if he wants to. I think he can just pick a chair at this point in time. So... The the major domino has fell with Ken Ward declaring for the NFL draft. Sounds like it's unlikely for him to return to college, even though that that door is slightly propped open. But obviously, if he does go back to college, we'll give you our thoughts on that, and we'll talk about it, and we'll have a good time doing so. So the transfer portal quarterback market, Will Howard holding the keys. (sighs) Find a chair. If you're a transfer portal quarterback, find a chair. Unless your name is Will Howard, you can pick your chair. All right, again, thank you so much for everyone that's tuned in right now. Well over 100 likes, never had a doubt. Uh, hey, there is a Q&A tab open right now on this live stream for those of y'all that are tuned in live on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching on podcast, just shouts to y'all. Shouts to y'all for making time. It's the new year. I know a lot of y'all are starting to get back into it. When I say get, get back into it, maybe it's the New Year's resolution. Maybe some of y'all got signed up at the gym. You got the hard count going in your ears while you're pushing through that last set. So shouts to y'all. Quick note now, uh, there, I was told at least that New Year's resolutions last for 12 days. So if you can make it to January 13th like, hey, you're a winner, you made it. So keep it pushing. And uh, maybe in the comment section just let us know what your New Year's resolution are. Or Re- New Year's resolution is. And uh, we'll have a good time talking about it. All right, moment has arrived. We are set to pick our national champion right now. Michigan, Washington. 730 Eastern NRG Stadium in H-Town. We will be in attendance for this game. It's going to be a movie. Now, Michigan favored by four and a half points. This is for all the five-hour energies. Michigan is on the doorstep of everything they have worked for. Since Confetti dropped in that game against TCU for the wrong reasons on Michigan, they have been dreaming about this. They've been salivating for this. This is what you broke it down on during winter conditioning. It was probably national championship or bust. That's the kind of feel for this team. It's built to a moment like this, and they have earned it. They've earned it. Not just from what they've done on the field, from what they've had to endure off the field. Having to block out all the external noise. That can do two things. It can tear you apart and cause you to question yourself, question your system, question your leadership. Or, in Michigan's case, it causes you to lock arms, be stronger together, be a bunch of brothers in the foxhole, and find a way to get it done. And that's why they're in Houston. So for Michigan, man, they've they've built to this. They have not skipped any steps. Built to a New Year's Six team under Jim Harbaugh. Then it was beat Ohio State. They did that, win the Big Ten along with it. And now they've gotten over the hump of winning that college football playoffs on my final game with a chance to win the whole shebang in Houston. So if I'm Michigan, all the pressure's on Michigan. And for that exact reason, I think that's why Washington is extra dangerous in this spot. All the pressure is on Michigan. None of the pressure, quite frankly, is on Washington. They've been counted out all year long. Y'all, I, I'm a part of that. I have picked against Washington all games but one game. Are we going to do it again here? I'll give you our pick here in a second. But, like, they should feel all the freedom and all the just joy in the world for being in this game, for being in this spot. There's no pressure on them. Nobody had Washington in the preseason as their national champion. They get to go out there and play ball. They get to go out there and play pressure-free and have a chance to spoil it for a team like Michigan, who, again, has the weight of the world, I believe, on their shoulders and expectations to win a national title. That's why a lot of these guys came back. That's not to say Washington didn't have high expectations for this season. But from the external noise, there wasn't a lot of that around Washington. It was all internal, all self-belief. They've been counted out all year long. What's one more time? That's probably the attitude that Washington's taking. Make sure you're subscribed right here. College football, only college football all year round. Like I said, we will be in attendance for this national title game. Want y'all to stay dialed into this channel because we'll have content all along the weekend, all up and through the game want y'all dialed in here. So make sure you subscribe. That's first. Second, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at JDPakel for content that we don't actually do on this channel, but do on those social channels. So appreciate y'all for that. Now, here's one of the big questions in this game for me, man. Can Michigan impact Michael Penix Jr. without bringing extra numbers? Because we saw it against Alabama. They were, I mean, they were just savant-like in how they drew that game plan up. It was twists, it was stunts from the defensive line that brought a linebacker occasionally. But they were able to get after Jalen Milro to the tune of six sacks because they were able to consistently impact him and because they were able to consistently confuse the offensive line with having to pass off those different stunts. And if you're able to get after him with four or five players, the real advantage there is on the back end. Because if you're Michigan, what concerns you is the fact that they're one of the best deep passing teams in the country as Washington. They got the stars over there. McMillan, Roma Dunze is a creative player. He's having a road to glory kind of season. Jalen Polk, like they, they got some dudes now. And so if you can get after him and affect him with four, one, you speed the shot clock up. That's first. Second, you get more resources to account to their freak shows in that wide receiver room. You can give them more attention that quite frankly, they deserve. So that's going to be big. If you can impact him, speed up the shot clock, maybe you force some errant throws. Maybe that narrow path that they like to walk, throwing the ball deep isn't quite as reliable as it has been throughout the course of the year. But if you can't, man, like, if you have to bring extra to a, to impact Michael Pendix Jr., I'll just say this, like, I've seen a lot of teams now, Oregon and Texas, try and bring guys from the third level or, or try and bring another guy from somewhere else on the field to try and blitz him. Like, he just, he finds it. He does. I don't know what else to say. Like, when, when you bring pressure, it usually does not work out well for your defense if you have to bring extra resources from somewhere deeper within that defense. So if you have to manufacture pressure another way, I don't think that favors Michigan. And if you don't impact him at all, it's going to be a long day regardless. He'll go for four bills like he did against Texas. Will Johnson and Rome Dunze? is going to be box office dude two nfl caliber players two guys that are arguably the best at their position watch that battle all day long because roma dunze is the go-to guy for michael Penix jr as good as that wide receiver room is they want to get it to number one if they're able to disrupt that a little bit maybe throw them off the rhythm things could get more interesting anytime you don't have your fastball in a game like this obviously that would be advantage michigan but if he takes over, that could just be the way that this game goes because I think he is good enough to take over if they don't cover him accordingly, if they don't give him the right attention. Now, the pace early in this game is going to be huge, man. Washington with a lead, just quite frankly, is going to be different than playing against Bama with a lead because Bama with a lead, their run game scared you. Jalen Milro scared you. Washington can score in two plays. Washington can score in one play. If you get down 13 to them, if you get down 10 to them, Michigan, we said it against Alabama, they're not built to chase. Now, good thing for Michigan, they never got down by as much as that against Alabama. And that was why they ended up winning that football game. But like, we, we got to make sure we watch this very, very closely for Michigan. Weathering that first couple punches from Washington is going to decide the outcome of the game. I wholeheartedly believe that. Washington goes up 14-0 early. I, I, I love J.J. McCarthy. I love Colston Loveland. This offense schematically, is not built to try and come back and chase a Ferrari like this Washington offense. It's just not. Michigan will have the very best game plan possible for this game. They will. The Rose Bowl is tremendous evidence of that. You don't have a month to prepare, but I promise you, like, Jesse Mentor, he's, uh, he's been prepping for this one for a while. Like, they, they knew that if they drew Washington or Texas, they would have their work cut out for them in the past game. Defending the pass game, that is, they're ready for this one. Washington, those linebackers will have to trigger and connect. And what I mean by that is we've said this about Washington different games. Those linebackers, man, they get their read right away, and they trigger quickly. They, they, They see ball, get ball. They're not asking questions or asking for directions. They're going to attack your running back. And Michigan is a downhill running football team. Heavy dose of Blake Corum. Heavy dose of Donovan Edwards. That's how they're going to get down. That's how they're going to live. Probably sprinkling some J.J. McCarthy on there for good measure, but that's pretty much going to be what they do. So the thing with triggering quickly helps create negative plays. That's what Washington wants to create, which would force Michigan to throw the football more than they would like. That's first. But if you swing big, there's also the potential for you to miss big. And if you miss big, there's not going to be a ton of guys behind you that can make a tackle in the open field against Blake Corum. If you do, it's probably after he gets a first down. So, notice early how Washington triggers and is able to impact the backfield of Michigan if they can do that it forces Michigan out of their game plan it forces them to be more of a throwing the football kind of team not saying Michigan can't still do that but that would be the kind of style you'd like to force them to have to play if you're Washington I'll say this again we said earlier in the show Roma Dunze and this wide receiver core is what Steph Curry is to the Golden State Warriors If he's on, he's on. It it might just kind of be that kind of style of game. Like we said this throughout the course of the season for Washington, like, I don't know there's been a game where I like them going into it on the line of scrimmage. And guess what? It hasn't mattered. Because when you're as good as they are on the perimeter, when you're as good as they are at quarterback with Michael Penix Jr., just pretty much placing the ball wherever he wants on those vertical passes, that is the great equalizer. That changes the kind of game that you have to play. And so, yes, I think Michigan will do a great job twisting and stunting and trying to apply pressure, but you watch Michael Penix Jr., man, and that offense, there's not a whole lot of contemplating back there in the pocket. There's a reason he has one of the lowest sack rates in the country. Yes, his offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. I don't want to dismiss that, but this thing is built for him to have answers and answers quickly, and he diagnoses it quickly and deals the pill like a shady pharmacist, as good if not better than anybody else in the entire country. Had to get a shady pharmacist re- reference in there for our boy Michael Pennings Jr. Like a fired CVS employee is kind of the shady pharmacist he's dealing with when you watch them play quarterback. So listen, man. We picked against both these teams in the college football playoff semifinals. So we, we got uh, the good folks from both fan base saying pick against us. We picked against Michigan one time this year. One time. That was this past week. We were wrong. We've picked against Washington all but once this year, and that was the USC game. We nailed that, but other than that, Washington has pretty much been a wagon, and we've seen them be that. The mismatch is still the mismatch as it has been for Washington against Oregon, against Texas, against Oregon State, against Utah. The line of scrimmage for Michigan will be superior to Washington. The problem is, I don't think Washington is going to make it a line of scrimmage kind of game. If they have to downshift a little bit, I think they're going to be able to do that. Michael Penix Jr. showed the legs off a little bit in that game against Texas. He can scoot if he needs to. Doesn't, doesn't want to do it all the time, but he can if he needs to. I don't know if Dylan Johnson's going to be at a certain percentage in this game. We're recording this, or, or live right now, rather, the morning after. There's some of the final games, so hopefully get, get more information there. This is a tough one. This could legitimately go either way. And I'm not just saying that to say that and kind of leave you in suspense. Like legitimately, I could see this thing going towards Michigan or towards Washington. I see a path to victory for both. And the path to victory for Michigan, again, I think is wider. It has been wider for the opposition against Washington multiple times this year. But what I saw last night from Washington, when they're on in that wide receiver core and the amount of answers they have in that wide receiver core, even if you limit Roma Madunze, you got two other cats that are going to be making plays on Sundays and Michael Penix Jr., who is absolutely going to be making plays on Sundays this time next year. So, with that being said, rolling with the dogs. I think it's close. I think it's cinematic. I think Washington gets it done. Final score, 27-24, to their ninth one-score victory of the season for Washington. The confetti drops on the folks in Seattle and in the folks in Houston That are enjoying a national championship for Washington as they say deuces to the Pac-12. This is an all-Big Ten matchup. And what a statement for Kalen DeBoer. Just like, let's be real here. You're not supposed to win the national title at a place like Washington. You're not. You're not supposed to win the conference at a place like Washington. It was supposed to be Oregon this year. It was supposed to be USC this year. And for Washington to have the year they did and to never flinch in the face of one-score games. It could be played in the 20s. It could be played in the teens. The game they had against Arizona State was like 15-7 to was the final score. I just think their steady heart rate, steady hand is going to be the difference yet again. And I think that the perimeter play ends up being the differentiating factor. I think Washington wins the national championship. So let me know who y'all think is going to win. This was a no-win situation. We're going to upset one fan base one way or another. But we're taking the Huskies to win the national championship and be that team that enjoys the confetti and hoist the trophy. NRG Stadium in H-Town. We'll be there. So again, make sure you subscribe. Let us know who you think is winning the national title. We just made our pick. The confidence rate, uh, the confidence level is... It is what it is at this point. We made our pick, so we're not going to back off of it now. But we we, we went to bed last night, left here and got in bed probably around uh, 2 o'clock last night. Thought about this game itself, knowing we had to make a pick this morning for another 30 to 45 minutes went back and forth on which team to pick and just, hey, we're going with our gut here. Our gut told us Washington before Texas, and we went Texas. Our gut's saying Washington right now. We're going Washington. So if we go wrong picking our gut. We go wrong picking our gut. Roll party, roll. All right, there's a QA and a tab right now. We're going to read and add really quickly from our friends at game time. But make sure you get in that Q&A tab. We want to hear from y'all. We want to get your takes. We want to get your questions. And uh, we'll welcome on the keeper of the queue here in just a second, producer extraordinaire Nick Brake in just a matter of of seconds so the national championship is about to happen here if you want to be at that game if you're a michigan fan if you're you're a washington fan it's all big 10 matchup if you want to be in attendance the best place to find a ticket is game time game time one is bringing you the hard count so shout out to game time two they're making sure you get to the games you want to get to now maybe you're not going to the national championship game that's okay they got tickets for different comedy events different concerts Other sporting events, if you attend those and not just college football events, no judgment here, uh, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets. You can buy tickets the morning up. That'd be a dicey move for the thing like the national title game, but if you do so, if if you want to do so, game time will have the best selection possible. The game time guarantee means if you find a ticket in the same section and row for less, they'll credit you 110% of the difference. So you sit in the second to last row of NRG Stadium like a real fan, and you find on a different platform, a ticket for a lesser price, it's the guy sitting next to you and he paid somehow less than you're paying, hey, you can get a credit of 110% of that difference. So, GameTime Guarantee means you always get the best price. Also, you'll get to see the view before you purchase via the GameTime app. So, what I wanna make sure we do here, download the Game Time app, create an account, and this is crucial, the most important part, redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. Let's say you buy a ticket for 200 bucks to the national title game. If you find one for 200 bucks, shout out to y'all. Knock off $20 right away by redeeming code hardcount when you sign up. So that's H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T hardcount. Terms apply again. Create an account. Redeem code hardcount for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. And with that being said, the people's champ. Nick, heavy lifter, break. Nick, what's going on, baby? We had a late night last night. You're an absolute workhorse. How are we feeling this morning, man? What's up, man? I'm feeling like Michigan's gonna win next week. Okay, call I'm your shot, baby. Michigan, yeah, Rumble, I'm young man Michigan. Um, that
1: was my team before the season, as you know. I picked the Wolverines preseason. There we go. Picked them in our halfway thing. I didn't actually pick them to beat Alabama last week because I was trying to jinx them, and it worked.
0: Here we go. Um, the old, the old producer jinx
1: it dude it works every time i like want to see a team win they don't win so i'm just going to as soon as the game starts going to secretly act like i don't think michigan's going to win cuz i want my pick to be right
0: but i like it i like it well hey talk your talk man i love it you're uh you're toting a nice little little record here when it comes to this this game so it's going to be good bro well uh, my FB's all messed up not really but okay well
1: if they win i'll take it you know
0: 50 at this point, man. I, I, I think that's it. I really think it's 50 50. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It is 50 um, <sighs> 50.
0: You look good, too. I always say this to shit. the people on podcast, they miss out, man. The sweater's fresh.
1: Well, now that my IFB is all crazy, I don't look as great. But
0: Yeah, pe- people like true. crazy, though, you know? OG Gary said Nick is right. <laughs> yeah. There I've it got is. OG
1: Gary on my side. Who could be against me? That's what, Hey, there you go,
0: baby. OG Gary bringing uh, the juice, man.
1: Speaking of OG Gary, who is a very loyal. Uh, viewer of the show says Robbie Ashford to Utah calling it now. JD, I don't think Utah really need a quarterback, but let's talk about Robbie Ashford. What do you think is going to happen with him?
0: Yeah, so I'd be surprised by that because they got Cam rising in the wings and Robbie Ashford transferring out. I mean, in theory, if he wanted to play another year, if he wanted to wait another year rather to play, he would just have to sit behind Peyton Thorne for another year at Auburn. So unless it was an Auburn-based thing, I think it's a he wants to play kind of thing. And Robbie Ashford's a guy that I got I got a ton of respect for, man, because Peyton Thorne transfers in, and Robbie Ashford goes to the Twitter sphere immediately, tweets out Iron sharpens iron, let's get after it like War Eagle. I loved that. In a world where dudes turn tail and run as fast as guys make a decision to go to their school, Robbie Ashford said, Nope, I love this place. I'm doubling down. I'm ready to fight for my job and like let's let's get after it. And Also, he was. He was a big part of their game plan at multiple points during the year, Nick. He's a good athlete. Uh, he'll land on his feet, on his feet somewhere. Utah, to me, would be puzzling, but stranger things have happened. J.D., this was something I was saying to my buddies sort of
1: satirically yesterday. If that's how you say that. Um, in yeah, that's tire, good. In a different yeah, yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, I think that's good. I think it works. Uh, Forrest Khan says, J.D., is the Big Ten the best conference now with all, technically an all-Big Ten title game? I am so excited for the Big 10 next year JD but obviously we do live in the south so I can't totally neglect the SEC. What do you think is this just an outlier obviously the SEC's won like all of like the recent championships but going forward do you think that there might be a, a power conference up north?
0: Dude, I think it's going to be blockbuster. Like you add Washington, you add USC Oregon, who I think is going to be a college football playoff team, if they don't win the conference, they'll be an at-large team next year with all that they've got on that roster and Dan Lanning. Like, dude, it's going to be it's going to be cinema in the in the, in the Big Ten next year. Uh, are they the best conference in the country? I would say the new Big Ten's got to be a pretty strong push for that with them adding um, uh, those four schools and having Washington play for the, for the national titles. So you could also make a case for Texas and Bama also being in the playoffs. So we had an SEC, Big Ten, 14 playoff to begin with um you know i think it'll be tremendous to watch the back and forth next year i think the depth of the big 10 if you were to just point to one year or you are just point to the new big 10 next year i think it's a coin flip like texas was so good this year so you have to factor in the new sec and oklahoma 110 games so it's tough to i mean it really is just like a taste test of pepsi and coke you know like it's so tough for me to to make a definitive statement but For the sake of this question, uh, I'll say yes, because they got two teams that are in the national title from their conference, and, I mean, the entire world woke up today to an all-Big Ten national title game. So, hat tip to the Big Ten and hat tip to the Pac-12 and Pac-12 after dark for uh, providing those four teams. Yep. Rest in peace. And the Pac-12
1: going out in style. Uh, Joshua, this is a really good question. Do you think an NIT-style tournament would work in college football to incorporate the non-playoff bowl games, or bowl teams and incentivize people playing in those games. You He asked that while you were discussing that. Not a bad alternative, J.D. I,
0: I like where his head is at. The thing is, like...
1: It's more games.
0: I just, I, I think you'd have a hard time. Yeah, I think if, if the issues are already opt-outs, you're getting more games. And I think, like, getting a guy to play in the Mayo Bowl is one thing. But getting a guy to play in a tournament that's the equivalent of the Mayo Bowl, like, I think that would be a hard sell. So... I like the thought. I mean, I'd watch it. I'd be all about it. But I, I just think the logistics of that would be tough to sell to guys that are already having trouble committing to playing in one final game. So, war ball is always fun, but mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where I'm at with this, Nick. What about you? Would you like NIT football? You or here's a better question: Do you watch the NIT with, with college basketball? Because I know you're a college basketball stand too. No, I do not. No interest. Um, okay, but I also oh, don't watch.
1: A lot of bowl games so I can't I'm just such a horrible person to ask about this because
0: no you're not a horrible
1: person well would you ask, ask a it. soccer fan um, who they think gonna win the call I guess you did because I'm soccer. I don't know yeah. who knows yeah. but I think you're a better person to answer that question JD and I think Moore is not better in terms of college football with these players in mm-hmm. their um, the wear and tear which leads me to yeah. my next question from gooey is Blake Coram going to fall in the draft since he's taking such a beating over the years, in his high number of carries?
0: That's a really good question. Because you would think the common logic would be less carries, more value, to some degree, as long as you're productive. Like, I think it's pretty obvious that running backs have a shelf life, and Blake Corum totes the rock quite a bit for Michigan because that's what they ask him to do, and that's kind of their style of play. I don't know if his value is going to fall, but I also would say I'm not really an NFL draft guy. So I think once they get a better gauge at the combine for you know, what he runs and his overall health from a physical standpoint. Like, I'm sure they'll have a better gauge for that. To me, if, if I'm drafting Blake Quorum, I'm like, okay, he played for a really good team. He put up great numbers behind a really good offensive line. Like, has a has a winning DNA about himself. Like, I, th- I think he's worth a draft pick. I mean, I, I would probably have him on my board, Nick. I mean, what say you? Would you want him to be a Buffalo Bill this time next year? Would that excite you? Um, I'd say...
1: No, because the Bills have James Cook now. Yeah, that's Seems true. Seems to be slightly
0: fixed. Who um, did nothing for me in fantasy the final week, dude. Yeah, just, that's
1: good because I faced him in the losers bracket and oh now I get man. the first pick next year.
0: I had him in the I had him in the, the equivalent of the national title for fantasy and he just just laid an egg. Dude, I neither here nor there.
1: I finished second in the dynasty league. The hey. guy who finished first in the consolation bracket got his first pick, like dibs on the pick next year. He decided he wanted the 12th pick, so it looks like I get first, and I'm getting Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's go,
0: baby! So my future's set. Um, hey, Maserati Marv, get ready for oh, it, yeah. baby. Get ready for he's, Owensboro. He's the, joining. the Owensboro boys are ready to roll. He's
1: joining. Um, O.G. Gary says, oh, Manchester United's winning it all. No, they're not. They're going to finish eighth. White Boy Magic, a super chat, 20th super chat on a live stream. Congratulations. Hey, heck, yeah. Says, every time J.D. picks against UW, they win. Thank you, J.D. Well, J.D., you didn't pick against UW,
0: so it looks like Michigan's going to win. We picked UW. So, like, <laughs> all the folks that have continually said, pick against us, pick against us, pick against us, whether it was out of spite or whether it was out of us actually knowing who we like in this game regardless we're taking Washington so we, we may just make an even greater enemy out of the good folks yep. in Seattle which we, we don't look to make enemies on this show we just kind of speak our mind and, and live with the results but I've been saying this like I'm from I'm from is a strong word I was born in Issaquah which is Seattle metro to my understanding which is. is like yeah I was there for like two years of my life don't remember any of it but like If there was someone that I was going to be a homer towards, in theory, Washington would be in that small group of schools, you know? So, anyway, we're picking Washington. Uh, Like I said, could go either way. And, uh, yeah, that's good. The live chat saying we made made the wrong pick. Yeah. Fade Washington. Awesome. Okay, so we're set up for success either way there, Nick. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good.
1: Let's get one more, and then we'll get out of here. How's (laughs) that sound, J.D.? Because this is a really good uh, question. Yeah. T-Mater says, as a Washington fan, what comparisons can you make between Michigan and Texas? What should we look out for?
0: Ooh, I think the comparison to me when breaking down this game was the line of scrimmage that they had on both sides of the ball for Texas. Now, Michigan probably will be a more physical outfit when it comes to what they do up front running the football. They'll be a lot more pro style. They'll be a lot more downhill. And Texas, to be fair, they ran the ball for right around 180 yards, average 6.4 yards a carry. So, like, that will still have to be a factor for what you play with. The thing that I think for Washington, the reason why I like them in the football game, you can very quickly force a team out of that game plan, out of that, you know, smash-mouth kind of style, if you put them behind in a hole of, like, 10 to 14 points. And with the firepower they have on the outside, does Washington, I think they're going to have a chance to do that. Now, will they do it? Will Johnson and Roma Dunze will have a battle to – Kind of set the tone for that overall matchup but i just i remember seeing michigan and maryland and this is this is you know a snapshot so we're kind of breaking our own rule here against a receiving core in ohio state and maryland i suppose there were some plays had so michigan as good as they are on that back and with mike still and will johnson there were some plays had by different talented wide receiving cores throughout the course of this year now how many of those plays are had in the national title game remains to be seen but I'm just saying it would not be the first time a team had success throwing the football against Michigan so that's why we like it I think they'll be able to force that game out of the trenches if they have success like they've had throughout the course of the season but it'll be fun man it'll it'll be indoors so there's no weather you got to deal with if you're throwing the football like that Oregon State game so we're rolling with Michigan man it's going to be a movie got a lot of people saying we picked the wrong pick but hey we'll we'll ride with it we'll see where we are this time next week Nick how about that
1: yeah absolutely and there were a lot of great questions we didn't get to we're running out of time we got to go get these videos up on youtube uh jd those people need to come back because we're going to keep the discussion keep the dialogue going tomorrow right
0: i love it that's absolutely, you're absolutely I right baby absolutely yeah. right nick okay. i appreciate you brother nick, a quick quick brag on nick nick is here new year's day nick's a married man nick has his wife at home dog at home dude is grinding we, we were here from, I guess, 2 to, to 1 to 2 a.m. recording videos, Nick. Nick crushing the game. Program guy through and through. Getting it done here so we can get content out to y'all. So, Nick, appreciate you, brother. And then being in this morning.
1: Hey, as for you. Being in this morning you, to get after it. You were here later than me last night and earlier than me this morning. So, right back
0: at you. Whatever it takes, baby. I appreciate you, Nick. Yes, sir. We'll see you tomorrow, baby. Oh, yeah. Again, Nick break. Not just getting you the content, but also creating the dialogue in the chat, having the Q&A up there, punching the show live. Tell you what, man, does it all. So we appreciate him tremendously. Appreciate y'all tremendously. Let us know who y'all pick in this game. If you've made it to the end of this show, thank you. Let us know how you're watching. We have had some of y'all say you watch during work. Some of y'all say you watch while you're doing chores or, or where you're studying whatever however and wherever you listen let us know or however you you know watch let us know because we appreciate that and that kind of makes it just fun for us to interact with y'all in that way but hey man we're back on the air tomorrow got a lot to talk about i'm sure we'll have more portal news we'll have more thoughts on the college football national title game a lot to talk about here Finishing through the tape we appreciate y'all we love y'all happy new year we're gonna keep this party rolling just like it was in 2023 it is in 2024 we will see y'all next time.